0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: That's right what's going on all you bruce lee movie loving maniacs out there that's why right. we are here to represent represent the shirt y'all represent the shirt shirt there you go shirt there. oh shit that, 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 that's how we do it that's how we do it funko poppet that's right that's how we do it representing our love for the man, the myth, the legend, Bruce Lee. Oh, look at that! He's still got his pops in the boxes. Yeah, look at that! This is the way. This is the way. What is going on, all you badasses out there? That's right. Welcome back to another episode of Versus. The
2: 20th Oh, I'm still moving.
3: I'm still moving. I'm moving. <laughs> technical
4: difficulties. <laughs> the, the, one,
2: you're moving. <laughs> the one still moving,
4: that's trouble.
2: The
5: one person that we expect us, right? We need. technical difficulties. Are we back? Yes. yes. Yay. <laughs> All
1: right. Woo. Yeah. All right.
0: <laughs> here's Rick. Rick, Rick got
1: What do you, what, do you, what do you have there? That top Ooh. one. Oh, I think is huge.
6: I got Pop 2. This is the one with the blood on it, so that was a special one. That yeah. Okay, alright.
1: And then of All course,
6: right. I got
1: the gold. Ooh, the gold. Ooh. Ah. Yeah, there you go. Alright. <laughs> so we had a little lag there, but fuck it, we're gonna keep rocking and rolling. Versus episode, the 23rd episode in the series, And the Kung Fu Avengers are back. They have returned. That's right. We have that's right, the Kung Fu Genius himself. Yay! There you go, look at those guns, I'm jealous. Kung Fu <laughs> Genius himself, Alex Richter in the house. We have filmmaker, martial artist, badass Kyle Wong. That's right, keep an eye, eye out for Night Watch. We have Eric, the Asian movie enthusiast in the house. That's right. Yay! Frank Jang, the master of remaster, that's right. Buy 88 Films, Eureka Products, Go USA, three companies that are badass. And Kung Fu Santa himself. That's right. Rick
6: I'm the one host of the Kung Fu extravaganza in two weeks. Two weeks. weeks. Not right now. Two weeks. Two weeks. That's
1: right. Two weeks. (laughs) Two (laughs) weeks. Nice, Frank. Nice. Very nice. That's why we're friends. (laughs) <laughs> Instantly got that. All the records. Oh, that was, that, was, that was brilliant. But yes, Kung Fu Extravaganza, July 22nd, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Be there, or be square. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be epic. Uh, we may have an extra guest today. Uh, F.J. DeSanto, the showrunner of the Transformers War for Cybertron series on Netflix. He may pop in, he may not, but we're going to keep going. We're going to get it crack-a-lackin'. <coughs> Two Bruce Lee classics. Way of the Dragon versus Enter the Dragon. We're gonna go ahead and get into it, but first let's say, what's up to the Movie Dojo Army? Hanging out, coming in to watch us rant (laughs) and ramble. We got the collector number one is here. Jason Willard, Evelina, Lady Danish, Brad Movies, Marco G, Omega 32, Heather Love, Jake Hall. That's right, all the badasses are showing up. Give the shout outs to the Movie Dojo Army watching. All right. 1972. Let's go ahead and get into it. The way of the dragon, written, directed, everything he did, everything in this movie. <laughs> Super filmmaker Bruce Lee himself has done it all uh, in this film. Uh, but you know what? Who cares about the the you know the the iconic climactic fight at the end, and, and you know everybody talks about all this cool stuff. That's not why you're here. When you to talk, you know, I know you guys want you guys want us to talk about, you know, the important stuff that happens in Way of the Dragon, right? Bruce Lee scaring children, right? <laughs> Bruce Lee scaring children. Bruce Lee, you know, having an awkward moment with a Karen, <laughs> right? That's important. Bruce Lee having bowel issues and constantly having to find a bathroom right that's why you're here bruce lee going to a bank and uh will he deposit twenty dollars or not oh <gasps> i don't know this is important stuff that you guys came to, to hear for us to talk about right i'm just shitting with you <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah way of the dragon uh you know believe it or not into the dragon was really my introduction to bruce lee um Watched it on TV, and we'll get to that when we get you into the Dragon. And then after that, I had to go hunt his other movies: Old Fox, Dusty Dust, mm. Fox released Pan and Scan VHS box set. Uh, that's all I could find back in the day. And uh, but before that, I used to watch it on television a lot, and it was it was epic. It was amazing, just badass. The the the, the climactic finale with him and Chuck Norris is still one of the best fight scenes. Till this day, you know, even though a lot of younglings today would say it's slow, it's lame, they're bored, blah, 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 completely missing the point of <laughs> why that fight is special. Okay. And I'm going to let you guys talk about why that fight is special. But, uh, when the Dragon's great. You know, Bruce Lee, you know, uh, doing his, you know, flexing his comedic chops. You know, he was a fan of Jerry Lewis. And, you know, some of the comedy kind of works, and some of it, I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> but I get it. He's you know, he's playing a character. He loves Zadoichi movies, and I was like, yeah, Bruce, he loves Zadoichi films. I love it. I can dig it. And, you know, he wanted to play a similar character, a little country bumpkin coming into the next city or, or town and being, being socially awkward and then kind of falling into rescuing and, and fighting for those that are weak, and then walking off into the sunset so I, I totally get the character he was going for in this one uh, this is a classic fights are great at the end I love how uh, Bruce evolves in the fight he tries to go in there all cocky and traditional martial arts against Colt played by Chuck Norris son and it doesn't work out too well and then uh, I'll let you guys explain uh, in more in detail for you guys but it, it doesn't work out for him and then he has to adapt but just a just a great great movie a classic, a true classic. I even like this. I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack's really good as well. Um, kind of. I mean, when I saw uh, Shaolin Soccer, that that almost has the exact same theme song. <laughs> Listen to Shaolin Soccer's theme song in the opening credits. It's almost the exact same theme song as uh, as uh, Way of the Dragon. But and
6: there's, and there's a reason for that.
1: Oh, it was a, a kind of a homage. Homage. Okay. He did that cool. all the
6: time. There's, he takes an entire scene from Way of the Dragon and puts it into Kung Fu Hustle.
1: Right, the uh, this one, right? Yes, this. The minor yeah, minor. yeah, nice. Uh, but yeah, uh, don't really have too many, too many negatives. Just the the socially awkward country bumpkin comedic stuff. Kind of went <clears> on, <throat> I think maybe a little bit too long in the beginning. But I'm being nitpicky, though. I mean, that's really in terms of negatives, uh, it was cool seeing Muhammad Ali in the film, uh, starring as the assassin that was trying to uh, <laughs> uh, kill Bruce. Bers- I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! Didn't anybody think it was Muhammad Ali? Come on! That guy looked like that guy looked like Discount Diet Muhammad Ali. Oh, Come on! Hey, Muhammad you, Ali re-
0: light. Were, there you go. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, I can't. As of right now, can't think of too many negatives. Um, a lot of tonal shifts, though. Again, starts off as a comedy and then it goes straight to violent revenge movie. Uh, but yeah, it's a classic. I love it, and we're gonna pass it on to Frank.
5: Yeah, I mean lots of things I like about the movie like you said I like the comedy I thought that was a refreshing change for a Bruce Lee film especially in the beginning you know the like you said the fish out of water thing uh I like how the film didn't feel like it's a Hong Kong film or the way it's shot the the way the scenes you know the, the way it played out didn't feel like a tra- the traditional Hong Kong film I feel like especially I mean obviously it was set in Rome and all that stuff but it felt like you're watching a European or, or American production. It's it just the uh, just the way it was presented that that makes it, you know, kind of refreshing. I love Nora Mel. I think she was fabulous in this film. Uh, in fact, Nora Mel is one of the people we were trying to interview for my martial arts documentary. Oh and nice. She's one of the two holdouts for the documentary. She said, I'm not doing this until COVID is over. So yeah, so we're waiting for COVID to be over. We have to do them in person. Can't you know can't be virtual. You know that was one of the rules we set for the documentary that all the interview has to be done in person. So right, um, yeah. Uh, I like how like again I like how the um, like you said the Chuck Norris and the Bruce Lee fight. I like how the fight evolved. Like you said, how you know initially he he was trying to did it his own way, didn't work, so he started to adapt. You know, he, he, he began to watch how Chuck Norris move, how Colt move, and then he kind of you know, respond to his moves. I like I like that. Um, I mean, there are things, yeah, there are things that didn't age too well. Obviously, you know, the the the, the, the kind of you know, the homosexual character that didn't age too well. You know, it just you played a little bit too much for stereo, stereotyping. You know, play too much for laughs. Um, also, I, I wish the Colosseum fight would have been fought outdoor though. Uh, it felt a little bit studio bound for me, especially when you saw the backdrop there. You know, you're right. like that—that that doesn't look like the actual Colosseum. That looked more like a painting, and <coughs> it's actually a painting. Yeah, like there, right there. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can tell that's a painting. I wish it could have been done totally outdoor. Just fight inside that. you know, right at the center of Colosseum. I think that would have made it even more impressive. Um, but yeah. Um, Nice, I thought it was a nice change of pace for Bruce Lee films, uh, you know, with the, the comedy. And, and and I like how, you know, you expect the romance to blossom between him and Nora Mel's character. It didn't, you know, it was more like just a kind of platonic friendship, even though obviously she has feelings for him. Uh, the, the restaurant characters I like, I, I thought they were, they were good. Uh, the twist, the final twist of the uncle being the, the bad guy, I thought that was nice too. So other than that yeah i think this is a solid film and uh, yeah really really not too much no not too much complaints i think this is a great bruce lee um, you know one of the great bruce lee films you know of, of all the it'll you know, probably one of the most distinctive entries in 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 his works
1: copy that copy that oh the actor that uh, betrayed the uh, <laughs> was stabbing all his uh, his employees at the end wasn't he the exact same actor that poisoned Shenzhen's master and Fist of Fury. He's the same <laughs> actor, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was he typecast to be bad guys? Uh, but oh, it was kind of yeah, yeah. funny. Uh, yeah. uh, Rick, I have one question before we move on. Yes, sir. Another thing that was important about the fight was the show of respect, and I'll have you guys go into uh, more detail uh, with with Bruce and Chuck at the end. Did that happen at all? You got 5 billion martial arts films around that time. Did any of them have anything as, like, just impactful as the showing of respect to your opponent? Was there anything similar to that around that
6: time? Oh, yeah. I mean, La Calion does that a lot. We're going to be talking about La Calion next week. Okay. Uh, I see. I'm sorry. I should have asked for permission on that one, but we'd already discussed it. There's, <laughs> there's, you know, there's, no, there's no way we can do an episode before the Kung Fu and not have an episode with Mark Kyle Young's movie.
0: Yeah.
6: Kung Fu filmmaker of all time. Yeah, the, uh, but are, am I going next? Because I'll get into this if well, I go Yeah,
1: next? go next, go next then. Okay. Go next.
6: Here's the situation. The reason that this movie is so distinctive is that this is the only movie in Bruce's filmography which is 100% him. The studio might have had some influence and also I think the reason they didn't do that fight outside, Frank, is that the cat would not allow it. <laughs> the cat did not want to be outside. The Coliseum people didn't want the cat crapping up the place. So, sorry, you have to go into a studio. But in any case, Bruce thought everything out. He got out of Hong Kong on purpose because he didn't want the influence of the studio. The studio might have insisted on certain things. They might have even, who knows, they might have even insisted on the stereotypical characters. Because Bruce wanted to break the mold on this one. And I wanted to say to all those people who may have said, oh, it's slow and it's not as good.
1: What was the deal with the cat? That's another complaint.
6: Well, no, the cat is great. But the <laughs> powerful, powerful cat.
1: The, yeah.
6: If you have not seen this film in its original form, in its original language, you haven't seen the film. Basically, Bruce created this film on the mistakes of other films of the same time. He takes the whole language situation. If you saw the American dub of this, one of the hardest because the whole idea is the reason everybody starts fighting each other is they literally do not understand what they're saying. The Chinese don't understand the Italians. The Italians don't understand the Chinese. That's what that whole mind scene was about. But when you see the American cut of it, it makes no sense because they're both speaking English. Bruce also took care of guns in this one. He was so tired of being in Kung Fu movies. I mean, he didn't solve it as cleverly as Enter the Dragon did. But then again, I can't remember uh, Frank and... uh, and Alex, do you remember did he film this? Did he, he film this before he did Enter the Dragon, right? Yes, yes. Right. So Enter the Dragon, and because he created the opening sequence in Enter the Dragon, he might also might have said, Okay, I've got a much better idea for dealing with guns in this movie. And this movie had darts. And at least he at least he addressed it. And also he wanted to create a character who was human and not a superhero, a suprahero. And also he loves using ignorance in terms of the nunchaka use in this is awesome because he lets the other guy have it. The (laughs) other guy does what almost everyone does with nunchakas, which Mm -hmm. they hit themselves. It also shows the reason that he used the nunchakas in these films because the nunchaka is one of the least controllable, therefore one of the least practical and effective kung fu weapons. That's why he used it. If he really wanted to use a great weapon, he would use a spear or the bent spear or or a bow or a long sword. I'm waiting, you know, we were talking earlier off off this thing about the great knife fight scenes in Kung Fu history. And I'm just waiting for you know a guy to do a knife fight, and, and Donnie Yen kind of does that in Kill Zone and SBL, in that Wu Jing has a short knife. So, Donnie Yen gets along with uh, baton. Yeah. But you pull up a spear when somebody has a knife. Guess who wins? <laughs> but, but again, there. So he tried to make it make it believable, and he also tried to make the best kind of kung fu fight, which is when it develops, it changes, and he learns in order to win. It's not about taking the most abuse or the most the most punches in the face. It's about learning and getting better. What else did I want to He did everything in this on purpose. Um, took care of guns. Oh, yeah. And he also really wanted to get across the stranger in a strange land aspect to it. That's why he, he just threw every single little tourist cliche. And apparently According to, I believe Shannon's husband told me at the first Bruce Lee Memorial Dinner that Bruce based that on experience, uh, experiences he had before he was a star going to foreign countries. You know, he had become the Chinese Superman in the interim. So that's why I think a lot uh, some people didn't accept him just being a bumpkin. But he wanted to remind people yeah, that's what he was before he came back he was a failed american actor before he came back to hong kong so it's to my mind again i treasure this movie because it is the purest expression of bruce's art that we have It's the sole movie that was at least 99.9 percent
5: Bruce. carry on That's i i uh can i add something real quick of course um, you mentioned the darts the the i think one of the reasons he used darts in this film was at that time there was a very popular tv series based on the martial art novels uh and the lead character you know he he his 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 kung fu he you know i mean his weapon was darts flying dagger nice. it's called you know uh, uh, do, yeah I was yeah, yeah, yeah do, lead flying the you know the lead flying dagger so that was a very popular tv series at that time so the the tune he was whistling in the film before he start throwing the darts, that's the theme song from the the, the TV series sung by Roman Law. Oh, so, so, that's yeah that's cool. So, again, how like cool you said, unless you li- listen to the Cantonese version or the or you know, the Mandarin version, you wouldn't have gotten that reference. But that's this how is
6: I, why I like Frank it. and Alex are so effing important.
5: <laughs>
6: they're both to uh, be on the Kung Fu
1: Extravaganza. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, Alex. You've already been chosen. You can't get out of it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, got I don't <laughs> Alex, are you going to go into a little bit more detail about the cat? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 um, I, I was young, and I watched it, and I still got what the cat was all about. I got I got it. The metaphor. But yeah. there's people in chat asking, like they want to know what the cat, what was the deal with the cat. So when we get to you, if you and want remember yeah. And,
6: and Jackie Chan's second big movie, he does cat style.
1: That's right, Snake and the Eagle Shadow. Yeah.
2: All right, Eric. Yes, I. Uh, it's kind of refreshing rewatching these movies because it's been a little while since I've seen them. First time watching them on Blu-ray, which is nice. And uh, obviously, having these discussions with you gentlemen always allows me to learn more about this stuff. But I think, you know, when I was younger, I was one of those guys. I'm just like, come on, man, when's when's Bruce going to kick someone in the face? You know, <laughs> like, let's go. Especially that scene where they're in the back behind the restaurant. He's just about. He's like tuning up. He's ready to show them the practice. And then the mm-hmm. the uh, the guy comes out of the bag. He's yeah. like, come on, guys. Hey, come on, we got we got customers here, <laughs> oh. but nowadays I do appreciate a lot of the stuff in the setup. I mean, I uh, I really like the fish out of water stuff in a lot of movies. I I just saw one uh, just the other day, a new Kiyoshi Kurosawa film called To the Ends of the Earth that uh, has like the same kind of thing, except it's more uh, more serious and there's more anxiety in that film. But you know, I, I, even knowing who Bruce Lee was. Going into this film again, rewatching it, it kind of disarms you a little bit. You know, he's, uh, you know, it humanizes the guy, and it makes him kind of a likable character. And it's almost like the opening hour of Audition. It's like, hey, it's going to be a nice romantic comedy. You're like, no. (laughs) Uh, no. You know, you get that, somebody who doesn't, uh, never saw the movie, be like, what is this, like a Bruce Lee comedy? And then he starts, ups that intensity, and I think it does a nice job in making that transition. Uh, I think... It gives a nice example. We talk about fish out of water stuff. It's a nice example about how you could communicate with people uh, not having to use language, just using mannerisms. Like the part where he goes, this one, I like this, where he's like, yeah, <laughs> the bad guy, and it doesn't have the shot of the bad guy. But when he understands, and you, you <laughs> see the look on his face after this, and he's just, it's a look of terror. And I love do, that scene.
6: I'm going to do my impersonation of it one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Kung Fu, and then there's the scene near the end too with uh, with uh, Chuck. You know, where Chuck is hobbling and he still wants to fight, and Bruce is just like, mm-hmm. "Just don't do it, man. Like I'm giving you a way out. Just, just don't do it." And it, there's, so I like those scenes in this. It's really nice. Uh, you get some added bonuses. Uh, the lead actress is quite fetching, I thought, and I also <laughs> even more this time on Blu-ray. And then I, yeah, I got to say, <laughs> uh, say, you know, Bruce makes his movies, but if Chuck Norris wasn't in this, it would be less memorable. That final fight, man, is just legit. Yep. So, I mean, uh, I actually enjoy this more on the recent viewing that I had previously. So, yeah, it's a pretty solid flick.
1: Oh, yeah. And oh, plus, yeah. you know, you can't. You can't beat, you know, this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Ripping the hair off and blowing it. That was great. Little, little, nice little touches.
6: That's why Bruce, that's why Bruce cast him. He personally casted. I bet when they were doing their tournaments in California, took one look at Bruce, uh, at Chuck's chest and went, You're in the movie.
3: <laughs> you have the hair, Alex. <laughs> So um, I love Way of the Dragon because uh, very similar to what Rick said, this film for me seems like the only one that it's really a Bruce Lee film. His first two contract films for Golden Harvest with Big Boss and um, Fist of Fury were studio productions, and they felt that way. They were, um, you know, Big Boss was very low budget, very thin story, and Bruce, I mean, can you imagine that uh, – james tien was the supposed to be the original star of big boss can you even imagine big boss with james tien no Mm -hmm. one no one would ever talk about that film so (laughs) he made a lousy film something because of he was bruce lee and then um fist of fury was definitely a step up in terms of the film and everything but it was still a studio film he's still kind of under low way's thumb finally after his two picture deal is done He creates Concord Productions, and now he can do things kind of on his own terms. He's got kind of a 50-50 split with uh, Raymond. He's more on the creative side, and he now wants to have comedy and all these other elements and, you know, have the European locations and everything. So it feels like this is him now finally being able to do his own thing, and he didn't get to do Silent Flute, which is his big swan song to Jeet Kune Do, but he put some of the Jeet Kune Do philosophy in here, with the adaptation at the end with the fight with uh chuck like you said um you know when it wasn't going his way he had to adapt he took beats out of a couple of muhammad ali's fights uh, for that scene uh with the footwork and uh you know when he and also the point i was going to say and, and rick said it which i i have to reiterate if you've not seen this movie in chinese in the original language it literally makes no sense like the comedy some of it is a little dated, even for Chinese standards. But sometimes I have people come up to me and like, oh, wait, wait, the dragons. And if they say Return of the Dragon, then you know, you know, the <laughs> version they saw already, right? Oh. <laughs> and, then, and not Return of the Dragon, all right? Uh, and when they say oh, it was terrible, it wasn't funny, it didn't make any sense. They say, did you watch the English <laughs> dub? And most of the time they say, yes, okay. So you didn't really see the film because a big part of it is the fact that there are miscommunications between everyone. You know, when you see it in English and he goes, hey, tell him. It's like, when I saw that as a kid, I'm like, why don't you just tell him you're right there, right? And then (laughs) when I finally, in my teen years, saw it in Chinese, I was like, oh yeah, duh, of course. But Rick brought up a great point because uh, I, I didn't think about it like countering the mistakes of other films because even to this day, especially mainland Chinese films, dub everyone into Chinese, regardless if they're Westerner or whatever. So this dynamic is never really played. You see it more in Hong Kong films, especially more modern Hong Kong films. But he was really the first person to be like, the Chinese people speak Chinese, the other people don't. And that's a story beat right there by itself. And the fact that he put that in there is really, um, yeah, I I mean, shows that this was really the only film he kind of finished as a director. And I think it was pretty promising in terms of the fact that he was already starting to do a lot of things that other people weren't even thinking about. But, Samurai, to answer your question about the cat, okay, because people ask about the cat.
1: Yeah, I know, but they're asking, Chat's asking, so. So, so,
3: Mito Yuhara, who was the uh, uh, kind of the the main guy running Black Belt Magazine, he actually talked about this in the late 80s. And he said that uh, Bruce originally wanted that cat to be like... Like, like, to show like how a cat kind of plays with uh, with its prey, you know, and to yeah. kind of make it seem like he's kind of playing around with Chuck or whatever. But <clears> then <throat> Bruce admitted that the final product didn't it didn't actually come out the way that he initially intended it, and so that is essentially the reason why the cat is there. So, uh, and little side piece of trivia: when Bruce originally wrote this film, uh, he intended to call it Enter the Dragon. And uh, later decided to save that title for his uh, for for another project, and then called it Way the Dragon, which is, by the way, not the translation of the Chinese title, which is Mang Long Guo which is uh, the fierce dragon crosses the sea, which is yeah. a very cool title. It's just not as smooth yeah. in English, but I actually mm-hmm. I like the Chinese title, and, yeah. and um, also the Chinese usually refer to anyone who leaves China and goes to a foreign country as a fierce dragon because they dare leave China to begin with. Right. So they also say if he wasn't a fierce dragon, he would not cross the sea. So right, right. A very a very perfect title. So I love Way of the Dragon. It feels like a real Bruce Lee film for me, and uh, that's all I got to say about that. And the, re- no.
6: and the and the real title is is literally illustrated in the credits. Yes.
3: yes. Yeah, the- with the dragon ball. Yeah. yeah. The boat going across, right?
6: Eh? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Nice. Sparked, Bruce,
6: can you imagine what would what, what would have happened had he lived? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I know. So I no know. need for any of us.
3: No.
1: Nope. Right. <laughs> uh one more little tiny nitpick came to my head. A little, little tiny, it's tiny. What? Okay. <laughs> All right. This movie, despite the mini bosses and the main boss, has the most least threatening <laughs> thugs <laughs> ever you know least threatening looking thugs ever ever but it's still fun doesn't ruin the movie but yeah, of those guys movie. from China O'Brien a little bit
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, Sam right now that you mentioned it that I mean I do feel that the the opponent you know his opponent in the first half, first half of the film wasn't as worthy as the you know the Japanese guy. Yeah. The, other, yeah, the other American and... and the mini-bosses uh, and then Colt. The right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah.
6: That's the whole idea. He's building up. And if Bruce hadn't been there, those villains would have been perfectly fine for the rest mm-hmm. of the staff, but not for Bruce. And Bruce uses them as a lesson in how to fight. Copy that, the, all right. Then the other guys come in. Copy
1: that.
4: Copy that. Kyle! Basically, I did see this, like... <laughs> Let's see, I saw these films in 91, so almost 20 years when they came out. And I grew up watching the dubbed versions. And now that I went over the years, over the years, don't shake your head at me, Rick. I actually got the DVDs that actually had the Cantonese and Mandarin dubs and then the Blu-rays. And again, when you're a young kid in Canada and you barely had anything from Hong Kong or China, brought over and your grandmother had like a lot of these things, it was like hard to find like any Asian actor to, to actually look up to. But Bruce Lee was the immediate one that I looked up to, especially when after watching the big boss and Fist of Fury, but when way of the dragon came out, I connected with it so much more because now that like I grew up more and him having the control creative control of directing and acting in it and expressing himself properly in this film and whatever game of death would have been at the time. But that'll be another discussion whenever we get to that one. But just seeing how Bruce Lee made his superhero persona human in this film, like just being the a normal human being of just I'm brought over, To help out a friend, and then seeing him interact with everyone, and just even the subtle hints of, like, not understanding language now, back when the dub, as Alex, Rick, and Frank have pointed out, it's just, yeah, the dub, and everyone's just speaking English, I'm like, this is weird, why am I not getting bit, finding out later on, like, ah, there we go, yeah, no one understands any language, Is not a thing anymore, but seeing how that played in a factor. And then even seeing how my friend and I, a friend and I, we actually discussed the fights, the uh, alley fights with the henchmen at the start and the staff. And my friend pointed out, those guys aren't stud dudes. They were just the tough guys to show up. And there's like, yeah, just beat up the staff and then let Bruce show off what he could do. And I was like, that's a good way of putting it. And then leading up to Kiwon Shik and Robert, Robert Wall, like two great cut up karate masters in their own right, too, and just <laughs> beating down the original staff members, and then both of them just going, is your name Tomlin? Is your name Tomlin? <laughs> and, then, and then Bruce Lee just like, yep, all right, let's do this, and then fights them both. <laughs> fights them both, and I just remember, I'll still have that scene in my mind where... <laughs> Bruce Lee just trips Robert Wall and punches him in the dick. <laughs> like, <laughs> sort of punches him in the dick. I'm like, Bruce Lee could get away with that, everybody. Yeah. Bruce Lee could get away with that. You his cannot balls expl- fight his, Bruce Lee back. His balls
1: that. exploded on impact.
4: That's that's in the director's cut. Did we? exactly. <laughs> and the
0: script and then, and <laughs> then,
4: and then even the, the humor, too, like, um, when, Normow's character was talking, talking with Bruce Lee right at the fountain, and then the, the Italian model beauty comes along, and they're just having this moment. I just remember in the dub version, they just cut it out all the way of just, "Yep, she." meow leaves, but in the original version, meow leaves, and then he goes with the woman to her apartment. And I'm just going, "I wonder what's gonna happen here." And when I finally saw it, he's just just practicing in front of the mirror, and then finally, just you see her coming out the room,
3: he's like, and I
4: just just knew that like we, I want to see more of what Bruce Lee had. Like if he acted more beyond like, like way of the dragon and acting as himself. And of course we have like the iconic fight between Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris, which is again, like nothing can emulate that as a show of respect between the two, especially when they just have that moment to warm up, just getting everything loose. And then I was like, because in a real fight, no one's going to let you warm up at all. This was go at it, be done. But here, this was a mutual respect I the, between I see the cat there. Look at the cat Look at the, cat the, the cat, bottom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Even the cat's up warming up. Too. The cat's warming up, exactly. But on that, um, yeah, the age, right there. Exactly. Leaving this is him, ph-
1: this is phenomenal.
4: It's it's really a beautiful scene, and even at a young age when I watched it, I was like, "That that shows a lot of respect as a martial arts." And again, Bruce Lee is still an influence to a lot of people, and still to me, and continues. And no one can emulate this film as much as they try, which we'll talk yep. about soon. <laughs> <But> that's that's, <laughs> All uh, right. that's my thoughts on it.
1: Copy that. Very very well said. A year later, 1973, Enter the Dragon, directed by Robert Klaus, starring John Saxon, Bolo Young, gotta love some Bolo, Jim Kelly's son, Jim Kelly the legend, is here. And this was my introduction to Bruce Lee, watching this on, t- on television with my dad. And I I, pff, I didn't know anything about James Bond at the time. I didn't know I was watching a James Bond ripoff. <laughs> I didn't know I was watching that. You know, with the cheesy James Bond villain with Mr. Bigglesworth, the cat, you know? <laughs> like, I didn't know I, that's what I was watching. I was just like, wow, it's some kind of spy film. Uh, with uh, I'm seeing a real-life superhero on screen with Bruce Lee. Oh, my God. I instantly became a huge Bruce Lee fan. And uh, me and my dad used to watch End the Dragon all the time. Gotta love the soundtrack. The soundtrack's still iconic till it's th- till this day. Uh, a lot of people uh, it's it's very it's very it's a, this is an interesting verses because there's people out there that say, Well, Robert Klaus just got lucky because all his other movies suck. There's that, right? And then there's other people who say that this is the most overrated kung fu movie of all time. To the point where, when this movie came out, it wasn't even number one in Hong Kong. It was, a Shaw Brothers film was above this movie. Very interesting. This is yeah. interesting
5: facts. Yeah. No, Hong Kong people didn't like it.
1: Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to hear in detail why, uh, Frank. Once we get to you. Yeah. But yeah, there's people out there. They're, they're just like, I'd hate to be the bad guy here. But *Into the Dragon* is the is the most overrated kung fu movie of all time. Bruce Lee doesn't struggle with anyone. He's picture-perfect till the end. Uh, the end fight with him, and uh, was it Shek Kin? Did I say it right, uh, Alex? Shekin. Help me out. Shek yeah. yeah. Shek Kin. Yeah. Wasn't really... Wasn't really a, a, a,
3: a, Uncle Kin, right? Uncle
1: Kin. <laughs> wasn't really a, 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 a top nemesis for Bruce. Um, everyone was disappointed in uh, the, the John Saxon-Bolo Young fight. He just kicked Bolo in the nuts, and that was the end of it. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) and then now I've been hearing, maybe Rick, maybe you can help me out with this, but I've been hearing rumors going around actually kind of recent, uh, for the past couple of months that, uh, I mean, I like John Saxon, right. But the thing is, is like, I'm hearing rumors. I don't know if this is confirmed, but he was just like, you know what? No, 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 no. Jim Kelly needs to die. Not me. So I don't know if this is true or not. And I, and now my mind is completely blown. Like, I don't know. This is what I've been hearing. My mind is completely blown, because imagine the end finale with Bruce Lee and Jim Kelly beating everybody up. Imagine how much cooler that would have looked, right? Um, but like I said, I don't know if that's confirmed. I'm just here to talk about it, right? Uh, but there's a lot of people that are just like, you know what? We love Bruce. We know why this. everyone loves this movie. It's iconic. It made Bruce Lee a superstar, you know, even though he wasn't around to enjoy his work. And I get it. It made him an icon. I get it. And he and, and this movie with Bruce has inspired billions of people. Like this is this is fact, right? But is it a but is it a good movie? Is it better than Way of the Dragon? That's why we're here to talk about it. I have a lot of love for the film though because it was my first introduction. You know, I watched it with my dad. Watched it all the time, and it's it's great. Rewatching it now, and in, in terms of pure entertainment. Rewatching it now, though, uh, it does get slow in the middle. It gets kind of slow. It's almost like when you when Bruce Lee is not on screen, I'm kind of like fate. If, if I'm not watching Bruce Lee on screen or Jim Kelly on screen, I'm kind of just checking out of the movie a little bit with the other characters. Uh, I don't know if you guys felt that way. Uh, but um, you know what? It's a classic. Uh, I enjoy it in, in terms of pure... Martial arts entertainment. I think it's great. I think it's very iconic. And come on, you know, come on. He, yeah, that little quick scene with Jackie Chan in the, in the movie. <laughs> here, I'll play hey, it right I, here.
2: I might have been seeing something.
1: Here we yeah. go. Right there. Jackie Chan, y'all. Yeah. Mo- movie Dojo Army, if you <laughs> weren't aware, that's.
6: Come on, show the breaking the neck scene.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't have that one. Sorry. Aww. I tried to find it. I tried to find it. But uh, yeah, if, if you guys didn't know, Movie Dojo Army, that was Jackie Chan. Uh, but yeah, just there's some badass moments in here, though. I enjoy it, you know. Uh, I got the Funko Pop as proof. There you go, with the with the with the with the blood cuts on Out it and of everything. The
6: box. Out yeah. of
1: the I, I'm sorry. <laughs> what kind of collector am I?
2: Stairway <laughs> likes to play with his toys. I like to play. You
5: offended me, and
2: you offended the Shaolin
5: Temple.
1: <laughs> you know it's. <laughs> Perfect segue, Frank, because I gr- watching this movie before the extended version came out. Growing up, I always was confused with that line: "You have offended my family, and you have, you have offended the Shaolin Temple." I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> I was like, "Where did that come from?" And then with the extended version, when we finally get the scene that wasn't that wasn't cut right. with him talking to his uh, master yeah yeah. Watch out. yeah yeah it was like oh it all makes sense now why he said that at the end of the movie but let me guess the Hollywood cut that because there was probably like oh this is too boring or oh the American audience is not going to understand all this philosophy' yep. kung fu stuff which is which is shame yeah uh it's a shame yeah this scene right here yeah yeah this made all that this made that in line all makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah classic movie I still enjoy it. Will I vote for it? We'll find out. But
5: we'll go ahead and segue to Frank. So again, uh, going back to the martial art documentary I'm working on, we actually went to several locations for you know, several of the Enter the Dragon locations to shoot, like how they are now. So, you know, like the opening sequence, you know, the opening shot with that temple door, right? And that that you know that entrance, and then where they were doing the fights. Those are two completely different locations. So we have to first go to that place with the temple. Then we have to go all the way up to like some in you know, mountains to where that scene was shot with the all the fighting with the Samo fight and all that. Then there's another location where he was talking with you know, Dongwai, you know, the kid, the teapot, the water, that that's also a separate location. That location is now kinda of like a tourist, you know. Attraction, meaning like the government would put a little sign and This is where Bruce Lee was. Yeah. So, like that, that's a separate location from the temple entrance. And then the scene with him talking to Dong Wai, you know, that's another location. And, and then the location with him and Roy Chow, that's near where he was talking to Dong Wai. So, so, anyway, and then we went to the cemetery where he went to visit his mother or the parents or mm-hmm. the sister. Yeah. You know, that's, all, that's on the Hong Kong side. And I remember there were like mosquitoes everywhere when we climb up to the cemetery. You know, it's near Pamate, it's up in the hill somewhere and we have to go through these steps and all the grass, So anyway, we got mosquito bites all over. But that was fun. You know, we went we tried to go to all these different locations where they shot. You know, End of the Dragon, um, to kind of show people how, you know, where they are and how how they're not. But anyway, yeah, like like Samurai said, this is an an iconic film, you know. Um without this film there wouldn't have been all these you know this is like sort of like the Kung Fu film that started it all that led to, you know, all these Jackie Chan, Donnie Yen, and have you, you know, the scores iconic. You know, a lot of different scores are iconic. Um, obviously, there were flaws. Yes, like the middle part was slow, and once he got to the island, that whole middle part was kind of slow. Um, the reason why Hong Kong audiences didn't like it was they felt it was offensive in certain in how the you know like like Chinese were portrayed, um, hmm. especially in that banquet scene. It's like why are there sumo wrestlers in there? You know what I mean? Like like yeah. this is a you know, this guy, Mr. Han is Chinese. This island supposedly, you know, <clears throat> near China, what have you? <clears throat> so why do you have like these sumo guys doing you know the wrestling and they felt it was a like it almost like reinforcing the stereotyping of, of how like Westerners perceive Chinese, you know that mm. like that is extra orientalism. So they felt this is not this is not made for us. It's like Sue and South Park. you know, if you go to Hong Kong, nobody eats Swin and South Park in Hong Kong. <laughs> it's all, it's all like that. So they yeah. felt kind of, kind of offended by it, and they felt that this was made not, you know, the targeted audience weren't us, you know, it's the Westerners, and so that's why this film didn't okay. do too well in Hong Kong. But gotcha. yeah, again, like I said, I, you know, this is an iconic film, and, uh, and also one other thing, they didn't like the fact that almost everybody on the island dressed like karate folks. You know, the, with the with the karate ropes, right?
3: You know, right.
5: The, the the Hong Kongians said, "Well, you know, you know, the, if you practice kung fu, you wouldn't dress like that. You dress like how Bruce Lee dresses." And why do they all dress like they're in the karate session? So well, again, you know, the, this this they felt that they were they felt that they weren't doing the research, so to speak. But gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, this is a classic film. I mean, that's how most people were introduced to Bruce Lee. So it's, it definitely has its standing and status in, in the history of martial arts films. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's, well, there
1: any or did you have any negatives? Any net, negative? Any negatives well, negatives?
5: yeah, like like I pointed out, uh, the middle part is kind of slow. Uh, again, Sakine, you know, the fight with Seki, you know, he, I mean, he tried to move like a martial artist. Seki was really not that well trained in martial arts. But you can see that he tried hard with the kicks and stuff. Yeah. So again, yeah, I agree. Had it been a more worthy opponent, I think that final fight would have been classic. Or even like you said, with you know, with Jim Kelly and Bruce Lee joining him, that would have been that would have been even better. And also, I'm, I'm always surprised at how short this scene was. Uh, you know, this scene lasted no more than ten minutes. It was nine minutes long. From the from the moment it went inside to the end with Mr. Han getting stuck by the spear, that whole scene was just nine minutes long. So it's incredibly brief. Um, You know, know, I sometimes wish that it could have gone a bit longer. And again, I wish that it could have been a better fight, especially the scene before with them all fighting in the courtyard. There should have been more fights within that courtyard. But still, yeah, iconic film, no question about it. Copy that. Well... and I. Yeah,
1: well, I wouldn't be surprised if even the Dark Knight Rises kind of borrowed uh the end finale fight because that when I was watching Dark Knight Rises in theater I was like dude this is into the dragon <laughs> everyone's brawling out in the middle and you yeah. got the two f- iconic figures standing right. there and right. like Batman's there like Bruce Lee while everything's going crazy in the background oh, yeah. like this is into the dragon it kind of kind of the made rock, me laugh
6: the Rock uh, ripped it off in skyscraper too they have a whole hall of mirrors fight scene at the end. John Wick really? two,
4: John Wick two, yeah, John Wick, John Wick as well. Yeah, wow, very, very, I, yeah,
1: okay, I didn't know that with skyscraper. I haven't seen that one.
6: Well, here's
4: oh, I, I
5: completely forgot about it.
6: But yeah, uh, The Rock used skyscraper to pay homage to the the movies he loved when he was growing up. That's and sad. No, skyscraper a lot he also, uh, you know, he does. He does, you know, right. uh, Die Hard and a bunch of other things. So yeah, it's cool. Mm. I like Skyfall. Okay, um, I
1: haven't seen it, so no I won't. I, I won't have. make fun of it. All right, uh, so now,
6: Rick, you can go next. Yeah, go ahead, Rick. Yeah. Oh, yes, I will. Uh, I got to talk to a lot of people on this. I had an extended interview several times with the producer Fred Weintraub, and I was very impressed with Fred because unlike most. I mean, I've interviewed a lot of film producers with my years with Starlog and Famous Monsters and Fangoria and other movie magazines. And virtually all of them lie. They they tell the official studio story. Fred Weintraub told me the truth about everything. Every question I had about the making of this movie, he said, yeah, this is what happened. Uh, He saw uh, Kung Fu movies. He he wanted to do a kung fu movie. He stumbled into Bruce. The reason that Robert uh, the reason that Robert Klaus got the job is that just prior to this movie, Robert Cl- and Robert Klaus had not done anything extraordinary until. But the job immediately before Enter the Dragon was a movie called Darker than Amber which was based on a Travis McGee novel, which was a best-selling series of novels by the great crime and thriller writer, John D. McDonald, with one of the most famous guys in that genre, Travis McGee. And all the, all the, um, the titles had a color in them, Darker Than Amber, the, long, you know, the Big Green Goodbye, things like that. So he made this movie with Rod Taylor as Travis McGee, which is a terrible choice, because Travis McGee is basically a California, a Florida blonde guy, muscular guy. And but Rob Taylor who's muscular got it. And I've been trying out I've been trying for years to find out who did the action choreography in Darker than Amber. Cuz Darker than Amber is a classic of screen fight scenes. There are three <laughs> fight scenes in that movie that are exceptional that have never been repeated. They got for their time. They got. They're as bloody as, as the wild bunch, but it's fist fighting. It is not. It is not gunfighting, and it's bloody and it's vicious. There's a scene that I still can't find uncut, where Travis is being forced to dig his own grave in a swamp graveyard, and he. They have a fast fight, and Travis McGee winds up using the shovel as a spear. And kills his opponent that way, and it is so fast, and it is so well done, and it's so vicious. The final fight he fights William Smith, who uh, Clint Eastwood fights at the end of Every Which Way But Loose, All Over Town. If I'm thinking of the right movie, it might have been the, might have been the sequel. But William Smith is a big hulking guy, who, uh, in fact, William Smith is the guy that CBS wanted to star in the Kung Fu TV show. They wanted William Smith to star as the monk and and the producers are going, no, he's a huge hulking Western actor. So David Carradine was a compromise. It's something that I talk about in uh, Films of Fury. So in any case, Robert Klaus got the job because of the action in Darker Than Amber, which I don't believe Robert Klaus was responsible for. Hmm. But he took credit for it. So he got the job. And again... Without Bruce Lee in this movie, it would be seen as the way that most people see it, which is, you know, you come right out of a comic book. It is a it is a clear chop socky fortune cookie um uh, you know, it's supposed to be a baseball movie and they're putting football players in it. In other words, complete lack of understanding of not, not understanding the Chinese is different than Japanese. Uh, it's, it's ignorance, it's limited knowledge, but it had Bruce and at least Fred and Robert Klaus knew what they had in Bruce, Fred specifically. So Fred instructs Robert Klaus, let him do what he wants. He directed all his own scene, fight scenes, he directed the opening sequence because when the movie wasn't working, At the very end, they hadn't filmed the opening sequence that that now appears in it until Bruce came back to Fred Weintraub and said, I think I have an idea how we can make this work. And he films that opening sequence. Also, Fred told me that Bruce was so concerned and worried about doing this movie that he got a facial tick. He wasn't able to start the film for like two Hmm. or three weeks. They were filming all these other scenes. Because Bruce was so wired and so afraid of screwing it up, of screwing the pooch. But finally he calmed down and he got into it, thanks to Linda, his wife, and, and other people on the set. Uh, she Can, of course, they got, the reason they cast She Can as the villain is that She Can is most famous villain in Hong Kong cinema. Because he was the villain in all these early Wong fei Hong movies. And he became identified as that villain. So even though... I mean, Westerners, again, are going, why is Bruce beating up this old man? This old man is no challenge to Bruce Lee, but it was because they were catering again for the Hong Kong audience. And the same reason why they put in Angela Mao as his sister. I mean, she, she's wasted in the film, but she plays the she plays the victim. And, of course, she is great, and Bruce is great, and have the energy... And, that's, and the reason this movie works so well is because Bruce Lee is in it. Because it's so bad, the movie, he's he looks even greater. Because there's nothing that even compares to him in this film. And you know how Jim Kelly got the job. Jim Kelly was not supposed to be in this film. Jim Kelly wasn't in this film until the oh, night before they were supposed to leave for Hong Kong. And the person that they cast, which I believe was a gentleman named Rodney Tarkington, it's in my book, yes. it's in all my books, yeah, Rodney Tarkington, he was cast, but he felt that he was being used. He felt that, you know, you're not paying me enough. And so, and Fred Weintraub just sort of went, man, come on. He, this Rodney thought he had Fred Weintraub over a barrel, and that he'd have to pay him more. And unfortunately... <laughs> wrong guy, wrong guy to mess with, Fred Weintraub went out with Robert Klaus, and they went to every dojo, not Kung Fu school, they didn't know anything about Kung Fu schools, but then again, the only real Kung Fu school in America was the one by Bruce Lee and the ones in Chinatown, so they had to go to dojos, and they saw this gentleman named Jim Kelly, and they went, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? (laughs) You know, here's some money, you want to come with us to Hong Kong? Off we went. It wasn't until the end of the movie that Jim Kelly said, Yeah, you, you were using me like you were, like I was some sort of Rodney Tarkenton. But in that case. <laughs> so that's how Jim Kelly got the job. Now, you know the Jackie Chan story. Jackie, of course, had worked on Fist of Fury. He was a man for Bruce. Uh, and so they brought him, so in the Hong Kong sequences, they brought Jackie back. And at the end of this of the sequence, at the end of the day, Bruce Jackie goes over to Bruce. All the other stunt guys are all going, you know, oh, I could take Bruce, or oh, I admire Bruce, or Bruce is amazing, or I hate Bruce. But Jackie went up to him at the end of the day and go, Me and a bunch of the stunt guys are going out bowling tonight. You want to come? And Bruce went, We'll see. And when Bruce and when Jackie left again, all the stunt guys would go. Oh, you talked to Bruce! You talked to Bruce! You actually talked to Bruce! And so they go bowling, and Bruce isn't there, and they're bowling and they're bowling and they're bowling, and Bruce and Jackie's up there about to bowl, the bowl. And all of his friends around just stop talking. And and Jackie turns around, and they're all staring at the door, because there's Bruce. Bruce is comfortable, and Bruce comes over. He doesn't have bowling shoes. He doesn't have a bowling ball. He just sits down, and he watches Jackie bowl. And Jackie, he does the 10 frames. I seem to remember Jackie said, he told me this story in his secret warehouse in Hong Kong, and they never, while I was working on High Binders, which was, then became the medallion, and they never gave me a copy of the interview, but it's one of the best interviews, and I believe Jackie, that I've had with Jackie, and I've had a lot of it. Jackie and I believe Jackie said that Bruce came over thanked him for the invitation and then just left without talking to anybody else and it was one of those moments where all the stuntmen there's a moment of total silence and then all the stuntmen go crazy <laughs> and they're shaking Jackie and they're shaking his hand and they're hugging oh my god you're friends with Bruce Lee so that was cool then now we yin yang we get the Samo story. You know the Samo story. Samo, of course, is very good friend. You know there are two great Samo stories that Samo told me about Bruce. One is thrilling. And stop me if you've heard this one. Um, Samo is the big guy at Golden Harvest. He's the head honcho. He's top of the. He's top of the mountain. And he's working, I think, in Thailand or the Philippines or Taiwan. I'm not sure where. And he's hearing these stories. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's come to Golden Harvest. Man, he's amazing. He's, oh, geez. He's a, and Sammo Samuel being Samuel's going, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm the top dog. And so when Sammo gets back to Hong Kong, he goes, right for Golden Harvest. He's going, Where's Bruce Lee? Where's Bruce Lee? And Golden Harvest is on the side of a mountain. And the main building has all these long, thin, windowless hallways. They're like, like you know, a, a labyrinth. And Samo comes into one hall, turns the corner. By total happenstance, according to Samo, Bruce comes around the other corner. And they wind up facing each other at the end of this long hallway. <laughs> they go, and are you Bruce Lee? And he goes, are you Sammo Hong? Goes, yeah, and Bruce goes, want to fight? And Samuel goes, yeah! Come up like gunfighters and they face each other and they're getting ready, kind of like Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee, and, you know. And Bruce stops preparing, lowers his hand, and goes, Are you ready? And Samuel falls for it. Man, he falls for it. He lowers his fists and and leans in and goes, yeah. This is Samuel telling me this story. The next thing he remembers, he is on his back looking up. And Bruce is leaning over him and and goes, how was that? (laughs) And Samuel, immediate response, great. He puts up his thumb and goes, great. And Bruce takes his hand, helps him up. And they were friends ever since until. Right, right. Until the scene. Jack, Bruce is making the scene, the opening sequence. At the, once the movie had wrapped, they're making the opening sequence. He needs somebody to fight. He calls Samuel. Samo's again in a foreign country, Thailand or Philippines or whatever. But being that it's Bruce... Samuel gets on the next flight, comes meets Bruce, does the entire scene, but he told, Samuel is telling me this story and he says, I couldn't put my finger on it, but there was something about Bruce that had changed. And it wasn't until Bruce drives, they finished the sequence, Bruce from the sequence, Bruce drives Samuel back to the airport. So at that point, you know, they're made. I mean, you know, BFFs, for, you know, forever. And then Bruce, at the gate, reaches into his pocket, pulls out some Hong Kong dollars, and hands them the salmon. Now maybe Fred Weintraub and Robert Klaus and other people don't understand the difference between Chinese and Japanese. Or don't understand Chinese culture at all, but Frank, Alex, you know what that was, right? I mean, that was one of the biggest slaps to Sammo's face. The whole thing about Chinese face. We gotta show respect. That was like the most disrespectful thing that Bruce could have done. I mean, it might as well have been a slap. He might have thrown, he might as well have thrown the money at him. Because Sammo goes, Basically, the Chinese version of, what the fuck? I did this as a favor. And if Bruce had respected that, they would be friends to this day. The end of the story was that Samuel told me the story of when somebody comes up to him in, in one of his clubs and tells him that Bruce Lee had died. And Samo just looks at the guy and goes, okay, Bruce Lee died And that was it. That was... But a
1: little... Yeah. A little bit later, though, Rick, when he did Enter the Fat Dragon, yeah, was that was was he kind of more at peace? No, but no, no. I thought that was like an he homage, wasn't it?
6: it? Death too He also did damn at death too. which is why I've been. That's why I institute instituted the concept of the fan ghouls. He was almost literally dancing on Bruce's grave.
1: So Enter the, the Fat Dragon death. is not an homage. It's a I'm
6: gonna tr- well. It'll be seen as a homage. Okay. Sammo was making money off of it. Oh,
1: okay.
6: And so, yes, it was an homage. It was a tribute to the friends they had been. But Bruce is gone. Sammo's still here. Right, I'm right, going right. To, I'm going to make fun of you. <clears throat> I'm going to have fun with you. And I'm also going to make, take advantage of Game of Death because everybody's dancing on the grave. Everybody's treating me like shit now. Everybody's copying you, so I'm going to as well. The other nice, the other nice thing is, you know who that kid was, Frank. You know who the kid was.
5: Yeah, Tong Wai,
6: Yeah. Yeah, and you know, tell them who. He became one of the best latter-day the martial art choreographer,
5: latter-day martial choreographer actor. Yeah.
6: Yeah, he does. Yeah. If you want to see good kung fu, following Jackie Stephen, I call him Stephen Tong Why, of course, yeah. because that's, that's the Western name. That's who that kid was. And he just grew up to be a great choreographer who I really admire. Stephen nice, Song, nice. Stephen Song Why? He's a, yeah. you know, be Biao, Yun all these guys. So I think that's it for my stories. Unless you all have right. Questions. So on.
1: something, let's go on <laughs> to something fun here. How was it meeting these two legends?
6: Oh, Jim Kelly. We Well, I still think you can see the interview. I think the interview is still on <clears throat> I did it at the uh, Albuquerque Comic Expo, ACE. And it was awesome because I got there and they said, by the way, I get off I get off the plane. I go to my table and go, you're interviewing uh, Jim Kelly. And I went, okay, great. And they filmed the interview. I believe if you look, if you, you know, uh, ACE or uh, Albuquerque Comic Expo Jim Kelly interview, you can see the interview. And I was very happy with the interview. Jim seemed very happy with the interview. I gave him signed copies of my books, and we sat opposite each other in the dealer's room. And when I ran out of Purell, he gave me his bottle of Purell, which I kept. I still have it somewhere. Uh, I I just thought it was great. And again, I never heard it from him, but I was supposed to interview him again at an event I think in New Jersey, and I was told by the organizer, not by Jim, that Jim didn't want me to. And and I I would you know I figured okay because I'd already interviewed him once he wanted to give somebody else a chance. But later on, I heard that he said that uh, it, I didn't make the interview enough about him.
1: He but, said that, or somebody in his crew somebody said. Somebody
6: said he said that.
1: All right. so, it yes, sounds like I someone in his crew to, probably said that.
6: I'm not going to. I'm not. Yeah. To, I had a wonderful time with Jim. Jim treated yeah. me. I thought I treated him. You watched the interview. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can tell I do talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I believe I showed him as much face as I guess I But you guys decide. But yeah, that's Jim. Our, uh, yeah, there's <laughs> with the great Angela Mao. Angela. She's awesome. They're all awesome. I mean, I've got to meet them and I also understood because of all the time, I, all the years I spent or the months I spent in Hong Kong, that the Hong Kong and the Chinese react to me very cautiously, because you know, I'm Mo I'm, you know, Harry Foreign Devil. And, and also I love these things, which surprises them because they don't love them as much as I love these movies. And so the first time I met Angela, she was very pretty. She was very, I met her. Was, was I with you, Alex? We, and with you, Frank? It was at the uh, New York Asian Film Festival. That was the first time I met Angela Mott.
5: And she was very, was, reserved. Well, you mean 2010? I don't know. 2010? Because she was the Lifetime Achievement Award recipient. Yeah. I, I, was think the interp- I was the interpreter. Yeah. 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 Oh, but cool. this, she, we were off in the
6: party, and she was very reserved. But then the next time she saw me, just like so many of these actors, like the guy in. Uh, Kung Fu hustle. They were like, we had been friends forever. We're face lit up and everybody, you know. Samo did that too, because once they understand that I know what they do and I know the difference between Chinese and Japanese and I know the difference between Kung Fu and martial arts and all the rest of it, then they sort of like relax. They say, all right, Mo at least Mo understands what we do. So, anyway. All
2: right. Uh, Eric. Yes. yes. Similar to some of these other Bruce Lee films, I do I tend to enjoy the non-action stuff more when I rewatch them lately. Like the beginning that mini we I, I, I as like, you know, a dude, an American dude, I get a little mini lesson with Bruce at the beginning when he's talking to his student. It's it's interesting. You know what I mean? He goes to the kid and he's like, "Hey, listen." You know, the kid's kind of lackadaisical with his first kick. He's like, "Come on, we need some emotional content here." <laughs> then the kid gets too mad and overdoes it. He's like, no, come on. You know what I mean? And then he bows and he doesn't keep his eye on him. He smacks him. It's, like, it's, a, it's a nice little uh, little scene. I like that. And I do like the, the side actors in this. You know, a big John Saxon fan. You know, what uh, was the girl who knew too much? Tenebra, Nightmare on Elm Street. So, and I like some of his interaction with Bruce, too. Even at the party, you know, kind of a filler scene. But they're at this party and, you know, Bruce is eyeing Saxon up. He's watching him. And Saxon comes over and he talks to him. And Bruce is like, you know, he's assuming that that he's not partaking in all the festivities. And he knows Saxon's like, you know, uh, paying attention to his surroundings and, and trying to figure out if they're... What does Saxon say? He's like, they're fattening us up for the slaughter or something like that. So <laughs> I like that type of stuff. It's neat. And um, there's a lot of like little things that I like. That uh, near the end, when Bruce does the infiltration into the, into the base and he takes the snake... And he puts it in the office, and he's just sitting there, like, bored while the guys are, like, running out of the office, like, terrified. There's some good stuff. The one thing I would say, though, is as a tournament film, right? Because a lot of people say that this is a tournament film, but we get a small handful of tournament fights, and the tournament obviously never culminates to an actual winner because the film is more focused on doing other stuff. Um, So I think people need to understand that because I have seen some people complain about that like oh like the tournament they only get a few fights but it's like well, you know they they focus on some other stuff that's entertaining and I would say the ending like the final villain if that scene ended before the glass room I'd say yeah it was disappointing but once they get into that room it takes it I think it takes it to the next level and it it, it makes it definitely a satisfying finale satisfying final fight and we've seen it mimicked multiple times over the years as well. So I, you know, and it's good to use that scene at the end of the film. You have the, you know, a good solid uh, finale at the end. So, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about this from my perspective, but I very much enjoy it, but I'm still not sure. I don't know which one I'm going to pick tonight. It's kind of a hard choice. So we'll Right. See.
1: Right. It's interesting. All right. Alex, before you talk, my friend, I got a question. Yes. I always heard that this kick was real. Because oof, Bob Wall pissed Bruce Lee off, and he actually cut him with the bo- <laughs> he cut him with the uh, broken bottle. Yeah, and Bruce yeah. was pissed.
3: So I was like, well, you would know if this is. I wanted to double confirm that that this well, is real. So, so that's one of those things that is like the big Hollywood legend, and there are a couple people who dispute that. There's some people who say because um, Bob Wall had accidentally cut Bruce with um with some with the bottle in the previous scene. Yeah. And and so the story was Bruce was kind of pissed and wanted to kind of give him a real kick. And that is the urban legend that's what most okay. people tend to believe. Okay. Um, but I've heard other people say true. no, that's not true, that didn't really happen that way, that was just made up or whatever. So it's a bit inconclusive I suppose.
6: Okay. Not according to Bob Wall. Oh. Did, did
3: I, Bob Wall say it was legit?
6: No, he said What he said was, Bob Wall was, again, he signed this to me. He he said, wait. And he went through his pictures at the Comic-Con and he picked this one out. He said, this was our relationship. The expression we have, the fun we're having with each other. What he said happened was, he did, Bob accidentally did cut him and he felt terrible about it. So when that scene came up, he said, Let me have it. Let me have oh, it. Oh, all right. Maybe. And after he done the kick, this this was like immediately after the kick. Because oh, wow. Bruce again respected him so much for taking the kick. And wow. he came back and basically did he didn't do the exact same thing Samuel did, but he, he did the equivalent of Good, good job. And and Bruce came back and said, Yeah, you too, man. That's, oh. what, that's what Bob said. That's cool. That's yeah. pretty cool.
5: Although, a little little trivia. You know that backward flip and kick in the film? Yeah. That yeah. was done by Yun Wah. That was not oh, done yeah. by Bruce Lee, but Yun Wah oh, yeah. did that. Like oh, yeah. Right. Absolutely.
2: Now, right. It doesn't. No, i will not even seeing things. It's a quick shot. Is there a quick shot of Yun Wah at the
3: party? Yes.
2: Yeah. I thought yeah. I saw. Okay. Yeah. okay. He catches
3: the first or second
5: it Yeah. I Everybody mean, has yeah, a good shot. The... Yun Bill, Lam Ching Ying. Yeah. You know, yes. yeah. you know, this there. is
1: this is Lam Ching Ying right here. Yeah, Lam glass, yeah. Right? that's Lam Ying, yeah. <laughs> <Right> <laughs>
5: that's here.
1: great. Right there, boom. <laughs> that's great. And you know, you got the great Bolo Young here. He's got a cramp in his leg. You know what I'm <laughs> He's trying to get rid of that cramp. You know what I'm saying? Uh But yeah, Alex, go
3: for it, my friend. Yeah, so this movie means a lot to me because this was my introduction to Bruce Lee. So uh I I started martial arts with karate because I saw the karate kid and a bully knocked out my tooth and I wanted to learn martial arts to defend myself. And then I was homesick one day from school. I don't know I had something and my dad rented and God bless my dad is German. So German's like the movie has nudity. Who cares? I am German. My no son can <laughs> God, my hair. So I'm like, I'm eight years old, and my dad brings this movie. He's like, you're into martial arts. I think you might like this movie. He puts in Enter the Dragon. My mind is blown because this Bruce Lee guy is unbelievable, and there are boobs in the movie too, which I want to talk about. So as an eight-year-old, I'm just like, oh, my God this movie was created for me right now. This is going (laughs) to be my life. So I essentially became a total Bruce Lee fanatic based on watching this movie. And I started buying all the magazines, reading everything about them. And then one day I was at the mall in Middletown, New Jersey, at B. Dalton Bookstore, and I saw a book from Bruce Lee to the Ninjas, Martial Art Movies, by this guy named Richard Myers.
1: Who's that? Who's that guy?
3: I saw this book, and I was like... And it had on the cover a picture from Enter the Dragon. And I was like, Mom, 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 that book, that book. Because (laughs) I didn't have any money. I I pulled the book down. "Eh, That's the book right there. I have it right over here on my shelf, signed by Rick Myers. That's book. And and it was like... (laughs) It was a little bit more than my mom wanted to spend because it was like a hardcover. And I'm like, no, mom, mom, look, look, Bruce Lee's on the cover. And then I, I begged her to buy me the book. And I, and then oddly enough, for my next birthday, my cousin, who didn't know I had the book, bought me another one. And I had two of them. I had like the hardcover and the softcover one. So anyway, I start devouring this book and finding all about Bruce Lee and then what, and about the other films and the other Kung Fu movies. So, if it were not for Enter the Dragon and not for Rick Meyer's book, I literally would not be a professional Wing Chun instructor who just talks about Kung Fu on YouTube and teaches people this awesome wow. martial art. Like, literally, my entire life changed because of this movie and rick myers so wow. like that is why that that is like my whole trajectory right there right <laughs> so for me to be like I, if you told me when i was a kid that well, one that something like the internet would exist and i'd be here talking about kung fu movies with that guy who wrote that book i'd be like you're crazy so this is like for me this is such a huge thing anyway so i just needed to, to put that out there because this movie uh, has a very, like Bruce Lee said in his interview, Mashad has a very deep meaning. Like this movie has a very deep meaning as far as my life is concerned, right? And so that is like my whole trajectory right there. So um, I love this movie because it has that primacy effect of being the first one that I saw. So it's the first one. It's always kind of going to be that for me. Obviously, as I started to see more of his films and really like Way of the Dragon, I could put it in its place among his movies, but it always has that special place in my heart. Um, and having gone to Hong Kong many times, like Frank talked about, I went to all the different scene, places where they shot it, the different locations, tingsan Monastery, and we, you know, the, the even just looked at the place which was the exterior shot for Hans Castle, which is not at all where they shot it. And and like like uh, like Frank said, like one scene, it's like three different places where they shot. It. It's not even nothing is like really cohesive in that movie. And now, as an older Hong Kong film fan, it's. How many times can you spot Lam Ching Ying playing a different role, getting beat up in a different scene? When can you see Yin Bu And whenever Sek Kim took a fall in that final fight scene, it was always Lam Ching Ying who did, the, uh, who did those falls. And obviously all the acrobats for Bruce Lee was done by Yun Um I met one of the uh, stuntmen who worked on this movie. He was one of the Chinese stuntmen, Cheng uh, Wing, in Hong Kong. He, he did a lot of um, Golden Harvest stunts, police stories, stuff like that. He was one of the yellow-suited extras in this movie. And, uh, of course, as a huge Bruce Lee fan, and, you know, when I met him two years ago in Hong Kong, I had yam Cha with him, and I I was, like, you know, asking him the typical question, is there anything about Bruce Lee that maybe people don't really know uh, that you learned from him from being on this film? And he said, Bruce Lee, unlike many of the other people that he's worked with, including some very big names, he really cared about the stuntmen on the, the, uh, on the set. And that was very rare for the uh, main actor to do. And certainly the producers and stuff didn't give a crap. He would eat his lunch with the stuntmen. He would make sure that they didn't just feel like if he had better food, he would want them to have that food. And he said, Bruce Lee cared about us so much. And I will never, ever forget that because that was the last time a main star really ever treated us like that. And to say that is really, really incredible. Uh, and, and so that that's kind of one of those things that I always remember. Also, the stuntmen were pretty salty on, on the set for one reason, had nothing to do with Bruce Lee. The women who played the prostitutes were actual prostitutes because <laughs> they could not find Chinese actresses who would really want – like they couldn't find that many who would actually play prostitutes. Right. So they had to go into presumably Wan Chai or whatever other red light district in Hong Kong at that time and hire actual prostitutes to play those roles. And they had to essentially pay them their hourly rate, but for the whole day, for all the hours they worked. So they got paid so much more money than the stuntmen who just got like a a very low per diem. And the stuntmen were really salty about that. So Bruce being very kind to them, you know, ameliorated the situation a little bit, I suppose. And so uh, I always found those kind of uh, um, bits funny. And of course- the fact that Sekin was the villain, obviously he wasn't the most physical when you compare it to Bruce's other films, but there was something that you know, as Rick said, Sekin was the classic villain from all the old Huang Heng, Wong Fei Hong serials, and and oddly enough, Bruce when he grew up would have watched Sekin in those movies, so he he was somebody like you know that he grew up watching, and then there he is with you know him starring in a movie and stuff. So, so could you, could,
1: could you say could you say that was kind of a passing of the torch?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Although, one thing you have to realize, which is so crazy bizarre about that story passing of the torch, yes, to Bruce, the new generation, only to realize Bruce would die within four months of filming those fight scenes with Sekin in 1973. And Sekin lived until 2009. Yep. Man. and wow. and you think like he was kind of old and aged back then and wow like he wow. lived until recent memory and bruce was the one that died only a few months later so yeah. uh, it's it's a bit bittersweet because it really should have been that passing of the torch but it ended up uh it ended up not being and so um you know that i always feel like you know bruce the only cut of this movie that bruce lee saw was without the music he he saw a cut of it without lalo schifrin's amazing Soundtrack, which like, you cannot even imagine Enter the Dragon without that iconic soundtrack. And so mm-hmm. Bruce saw an early cut of it without the music. So he never actually saw the film the way we all really know and love it. So that adds a little bit more to the, the bittersweet uh, uh, aspect to, to this film and what, what it could have been for Bruce Lee in his career. So anyway, it has that primacy effect. I really love it. And um, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. I had, I had to click Tarantino. on that comment there. Quentin Tarantino definitely doesn't know what he's talking about. It's one thing to say he, he wants to make Bruce Lee some kind of asshole in his movie. That's fine. But it's another thing for him to now pretend that that somehow was historical fact. That's mm-hmm. where uh, that's where I, I have a really, really big issue. So, <laughs> but anyway, that's probably a that – uh, don't even get me started. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but go ahead and pass that on.
1: <laughs> nice. All right. Kyle.
3: Man, how
4: do I follow up after everyone? Jeez. <laughs> but – Definitely. I remember watching this just recently and taking it all in. And again, like as Sifu Alex put it, this film really, really shines on. And especially when Eric said that when Bruce is teaching Lao, Lao, like emotional content, I actually take that that specific terms and put it into my own films. Because a lot of when I was trying to be a, starting off as a filmmaker and seeing like all the YouTube Ac- action choreography and everything else I just realized that a lot of it back then when YouTube was starting out was all just two guys fighting and I was like what did Bruce Lee say? Emotional content? Oh yeah, where is that? And I would look at these fight scenes and then when I wanted to do fight scenes on my own stuff, it was like, okay what really needs to be here? Story and characters okay, why are these two fighting? What's the reason for it? Are they going to learn from anything? And even though I went on my own journey on that it was just more or less like I had to learn from that. And this film actually helps that type of type of filmmaking where you have to understand the emotional content that goes into fight scenes, especially how Hong Kong, Japan, every Asian country understands how martial arts works to a certain degree of certain Asian countries of how martial arts works in certain ways of just still upping the ante of how the action has to be. But other than that, like, that's what was missing in a lot of action films and certain.
0: Still
6: is. Still,
0: it is. still
4: is. Still is. I didn't want, to, didn't want to say it right away. Thank you, Rick. Um, but other than that, like, you, when I really looked at this film, I really found out, like, when you really watch it, Bruce Lee's character does not, like, want any involvement with this mission until his old family friend says, yeah, by the way, your sister and I were shopping through town, and then we go to Angela Mao's character, and there gives him a reason to go to the island, which is finding Bob Wall, even though, yes, I, he has to go against Shekin, um, his character because of the whole Shaolin Temple debacle that Han uh, Shaqin did. It was more or less like he he's just doing that for Wraithwaite, but he, personally, he finds... Bob Ball's O'Hara. So it's just like, oh, you're going to be there? Okay. This, there's going to be some emotion behind that fight. And even though, yes, it's one-sided, but you see like Bruce Lee gaining the upper hand on Bob Ball's character, even up to that emotional moment where he crushes his chest in. And I still love that scene of that just emotion of <laughs> him, like knowing, like, okay, I avenged my sister, but at the same time, like, damn! No one can copy that that emotion right there, Hard that point. subtlety, and certain moments of like you don't you you get the sense of John Saxon being being this compulsive gambler and in debt, and then Jim Kelly Jim Kelly like being this former vet and then experiences experiencing racism and where he is, and then flee and then being chosen to go into this tournament. Both of them going. To, to be chosen to this tournament, which is still not mentioned at all in this film, like how certain films are. But and like you said, Eric, like this is a tournament film, but no one mentions a tournament at all. It <laughs> was like, what? There's a tournament? All right. And and even to the point where uh, Hans main lady Anna Caffrey just starts saying, Okay, a gift. And he, she goes to Jim Kelly and he and I know definitely um probably much hour two reference us. He's like, I'll take you. I'll take you. He just <laughs> them out. And of course that won't fly today at all. But he just starts picking out women. And then and then John Saxon is like, I already chose the woman I want, but at least for Bruce Lee's character, it's story driven for him, where he's like the one who threw this dart, I want to talk to her, because that's who Braithwaite said was their agent, and she even says the urgency of it. And then, even to the point where Bolo Young is so underutilized in this film <laughs> at all, he's like, just standing there and and Bruce Lee's ready to fight him, and yet, John Sachs has got it. I'm like, really? That, that's Sachs. a
1: negative. Yeah, That's, a, a, that's a nitpick.
4: It. I was, like,
1: I was like boo <laughs> right
4: <laughs> to see Bruce Lee fight with Bolo Young would have been great. Yeah. Seeing him fight with with Sam Hung at the beginning as much as as Rick told the story, like yes, they gave us a good moment that we got a Bruce Lee versus Sam Hung S- sad that what happened after is kind of sour now, they're sweet. Um even to the point where um this this was like the kind of thing that I Totally caught this week, or when I watched it, was when Bruce Lee's like down, like um, in the tunnels fighting everyone, and then finally gets captured to the point where Roper has to re educate him. He was only wearing his one piece, and then now, as you look at it, he has a wrap around his pants, uh, around his waist. I was like, when did they give him time to change in his captivity? <laughs> <laughs> like, to just be proper. I just I was like that, and then. My other friend, he my same friend, he just like told me one day, Hey, do you realize in the fight there's like that one guy that's not a stunt guy in the whole scuffle when Han's calling everyone out, this one guy in the scuffle that's not a fire is close to Bruce Lee and he's just approaching and then he's just like, No, no. It's literally like, it's like, No, no, no. It's literally in the in the film, and I was like, Oh my god, it's like that. It, it's it's I don't know why my friend actually looks at all these extras, like the one extra in million dollar baby that is so over the top, going, like, and then wait for <laughs> wait for a high five and then does it. Han but,
1: Han's got a Han's got a memory, man, memorizing everybody all, like all his henchmen's <laughs> oh names. That's impressive.
3: Oh yeah, can I can I say can I say something about that? Because um uh Sekin couldn't speak any English. Like so he was dubbed by Key Luke, who's Master yeah. Po from the Kung Fu series, right? Yes. And basically, he had someone mouthing the lines off camera, and then he would just imitate it in English, which is why it kind of looks like he's saying it, but not really. Yeah. But when he starts rattling off all the names for them to go and attack Bruce Lee, you hear Ke Cantonese has kind of a thick American accent, yeah. actually. So he's like... I'll be like da you. Hear it, it like, oh, if I spoke Cantonese like that. My wife would yell at me, right? But he had like a very like American Cantonese accent, which was kind of interesting. There's also another famous flub in Enter the Dragon when um, when everyone is fighting in the courtyard and Bruce starts fighting uh, Han. They have one wide shot which pans out. And Bruce has already started fighting Han at this point, And you have this wide shot. And if you look, you have the sea of the guys in the, in the black uniforms and in the red uniforms. And you see Bruce without his shirt and Han like leaning on a, on, a, on a pole like this and Bruce is directing extras where to go and, and you can see it in the wide shot and once once you see this you can never unsee that scene ever again right?
5: yeah. la la la
4: yeah. la la i again we can appreciate this movie for what it is it is it, like it we could agree, i could say like if it was like a bond film it would have been roper but adding bruce lee to it added merit to it to be yeah. like in his own way of like his own film to return to the to the us but it's sad that he never got to see it and see its yeah. completion and it yeah like yeah. that's all i got to say
1: about this and movie. we got to uh, you know we got a chance to see bolo take care of, of his sciatica
4: <laughs> oh yeah, like him just crushing people too. Just you know the what one cr-
6: Bolo specializes in
4: body weight or uh, body training, I believe. Tai Chi. tai Chi, Yes, that's right. That's right.
1: The one crush where he had the guy like this. I don't know about that one. <laughs> oh, how does that know. How does that work when he's like he's he's, he's cuddling does. the guy? It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't. It just doesn't. Oh and man!
6: More production ignorance.
1: I like the scene on the boat when the guy goes, what's your style? Yeah. My style. Yeah. You can call it the art of fighting without fighting. <laughs> the art of fighting without fighting? Shall me, show my bad? You got to love that. You got to love that. Oh, scene. yeah.
4: That best New Zealand accent error. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out to be Australian. Another form of production ignorance.
1: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that was great. Well said, Kyle. Are we ready to vote? Yes, yeah. vote, 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 vote.
5: All right, Frank, what you got? Who you got? That was a tough one. This is a tough one. Uh, I I agree with. Um, I think was it Kyle or, or Alex said. I think it was Rick was said it or, or Kyle said it. You know, Wave of the Dragon" is ninety five percent Bruce Lee. You know, that's absolutely true. Yeah, Rick said it right. Okay, 99. yeah, nine
6: point nine. Yeah,
5: right. So nine point nine point nine. So you know, I think you know, that alone would have. Had me you know vote for the film. However, I just cannot ignore how iconic Enter the Dragon was. You know how what a classic it was and, and how influential it was. So I, I have to go with Ender the Dragon. All
2: right, all right, Eric. Yeah, man, it's a little difficult, but you know I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Enter the Dragon. I just think overall the entertainment value is just a, a notch above. That's it. You can vote
1: for any reason. That's what Versus is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex? What's awesome Upon a event. Time in Hollywood? That's
3: your <laughs> Get me started. Uh, Go ahead. Very difficult choice for me because of what Enter the Dragon yes. means. For me, it's like a 4951 for me Return of the Dragon. Oh, sorry. Way of the Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was confused there. I was like, wait, what are we
3: doing? <laughs> Way of the Dragon.
1: What's your style?
3: My all style. Right. You, you, you mean you mean the nudity didn't <laughs> sway <you> over? <laughs> there was nudity in way of the dragon. That's true. That is All right. true. true. The, <laughs> there
1: were some bloops in there. All right. We got we got one for way. Kyle.
4: Oh man, this this is a hard one. Like we I, I had this discussion before, and it was like, "Enter the Dragon" has all these notable moments, like memorable moments, whereas. Way of the Dragon is hundred percent all Bruce Lee's philosophy and everything else. It's him, and oh god! But if I had to choose, do it. I would have to go with Enter the Dragon because it has, again, emotional content and the side fact that it still impacts my filmmaking today.
1: Copy that, Rick.
6: Well. If Bruce Lee had been in 100% of Enter the Dragon, I would have voted for Enter the Dragon. But he's not. He's off screen. And as somebody pointed out, when he's off screen, the movie dies. The movie curls up into a little ball and dies. And yes, it had a great influence to Americans. (laughs) But I'm an an international type of guy. So
4: I'm also Canadian, by the way.
6: Yeah, that's right. Or Canadian, or English speaker. <laughs> I saw these movies in order because I saw I saw uh, Big Boss, uh, Fist of Fury, and uh, I think Return of the Dragon before I saw Enter the Dragon, and I was having grown up with serials and comic book movies and TVs. I was not impressed. I was said, you know, Bruce, you're awesome, but you're not in every frame of this movie. You're in every frame of Way of the Dragon. Way of the Dragon.
1: All right. All right, here we go. It's <laughs> Samurai's toy. I know
6: it will win, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: everyone's brought up some really good points. Really, really, really good points, man. And this was difficult. This, Rick's on a roll, torturing us every week. In a good way, though. It's fun.
6: Next week, too. Uh,
1: But, uh, yeah, but uh, ah, I got to go with my gut and I got to go with the little samurai. He was sitting in his living room next to his dad eating cereal and watching a live superhero, live action superhero on screen do his thing. Got to go into the dragon.
0: What's
6: the public? What's the public? Yeah.
1: It's bad. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I'm I'm not. Here we go. You (laughs) ready? Internet, the internet voting poll.
2: (laughs) Well,
6: that's more than I thought Way of the Dragon would get.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Freaking Westerners.
6: (laughs) 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 Freaking English speakers listening to the dubbed version. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, I I redeem myself. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you redeemed yourself <laughs> this
6: guy
5: I don't I I want want know I okay. one thing real quick
6: go ahead Rick one of those choices where you know you, you can't do wrong whichever one yeah. you're great. is great yeah. no yeah.
1: and it could be no. for any reason it could be you could vote because you're doing a critical thing or be like hey the other one this one had bigger bloops than the other <laughs> one so I'm going, with, I'm going with
5: team big bloops all right Oh, I just want to point out one thing real quick. Oh Can go ahead, I? Frank. So so I, I just want to say like my first Bruce Lee film was Fists of Fury. And I saw it in Hong Kong in nineteen eighty. What happened was when they first showed it in you know in the early seventies, they cut out that scene where he kicked that sign, Chinese and Dogs Not Allowed, because they felt that scene was so, too offensive. And then so they re-released Fists of Fury in Hong Kong Theatre in nineteen eighty with that scene put back in. So I went to see it at the Golden Harvest Theatre on Jordan Road. And when that scene came up, and then when Bruce, you know, uh, jumped up and kicked that sign off, the whole theater erupted into cheers and applause. That was one of the best, most memorable, you know, movie-going experience of my life.
1: And Fist of Fury is still my favorite Bruce Lee movie on all of them.
5: And, so. and by the way, that's, it's,
6: uh, it's extremely rare for a Hong Kong audience to do that. Exactly. The time I heard them do that was A Better Tomorrow.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice, nice. But tonight was fun. Make sure you guys follow. All the badasses' info is in the description box below. Subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. That's right. He will be on the Kung Fu Extravaganza. There's no getting out of it now. He has been chosen. <laughs> Rick has chosen you.
6: <laughs> Can't get out of Vincent it now, Alex. Vincent and Frank, come on, boy. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And uh, like I said, everyone's info is in the description box. Subscribe to all these badasses, follow them. And uh like thank all you badasses for watching tonight. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. That's right. Join the Movie Dojo Army. That's right. It is growing. That's right. Don't forget, July 22nd, 6 p.m. Pacific time, Kung Fu Straffic Agile. Spread the word. That's right. And tomorrow, is going to be really early for me, I know, but it's, it's, it's fun doing it. It's going to be early, at least for me, over here. But we have, that's right, Zach Lee, white boy Bobby from the night comes for us, son. Oh, yeah. Headshot. Headshot, night comes for us, Buffalo boys. The badass Zach Lee, white boy Bobby himself, will be hanging out with Samurai tomorrow at 8 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
5: He's doing is 5 a.m. on the West Coast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's in Indonesia, man. That's how we had to make it happen. But, yeah, he wants to hang out, and uh, we're going to have fun tomorrow morning, so make sure you guys join. And uh, this was a lot of fun, and we'll see all you guys next time. Take care. Keep watching movies. That's right. Take care, guys.